0: Hi hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rien Gladman and I manage the Behaviour Change Programme here at the LGA. And what we're looking to do with this programme is to demystify behavioural insights and behaviour change and provide learning from practical projects that you can then try in your own council. So today we are excitedly joined by two guests, which is quite unusual for the podcast. Um, so we're going to be hearing more about Wolverhampton Council's work to encourage physical activity. And I'm joined by Shannar Abdin from the Council and Mike Salmon from the Black Country Active Partnership. Hi guys, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you, Rim? Good, I am good. Great to
0: have you with us here today. Um, appreciate your time. And over to you guys, really. Do you want to introduce yourselves and your role in the organisation, please?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm um, Shannara Abden. I'm a health psychologist. I work within the public health department as a behavioural science specialist. So my background um, and my work is very much applying behaviour change across everything we do, not only in public health, but wider as well.
0: Great stuff. Welcome, Shannara. Mike. Yeah, hi, I'm
2: I'm Mike Salmon. I'm the head of Insight Health and Wellbeing at Active Black Country. So we're the Active Partnership for, for the Black Country covering Dudley Samwell, Warsaw and Wolverhampton.
0: Excellent. Welcome guys. So we'll start at the very beginning, as we always do on these podcasts. So Shinara, what was the behaviour that the council were trying to change through this project?
1: So the behaviour that we were trying to change was um, physical activity and trying to increase physical activity at a time when levels were extremely low so within the city within wolverhampton over 30 percent of our adults actually do less than 30 minutes of weekly uh, physical activity and as you can appreciate this has a lot of knock-on effects on you know diabetes or cardiovascular disease and especially during the pandemic which is i'm sure we'll touch up on a lot today um, there's been a serious impact as a result of the pandemic you know People weren't able to go out or if they were, they were only able to exercise one exercise once per day. So this really demonstrated a need um, at a time that was really, really important. And then uh, we partnershipped up with Mike, um, so Active Black Country, to deliver um, a behaviour change intervention around physical activity
2: if i could just kind of set the scene a little bit as well so so we define an inactive person as, as someone who does less than 30 weekly minutes of moderate intensity physical activity so the, the type of activity that gets you a little bit out of breath so that could be a, a gentle jog cycle ride or maybe kind of breaststroke at swimming that sort of thing uh, and it, it's actually recommended by the chief medical officer that we do 150 minutes of activity a week uh, but yeah that that threshold for an inactive person is less than 30 minutes wolverhampton's one of the most Inactive parts of of the country. Um, so, shanara just said nationwide, approximately one in four are inactive. In Wolverhampton, it's much closer to to one in three, and I, I think it's really important to say it's not an issue confined just to Wolverhampton. It's kind of a regional thing, all black country local authorities of high rates of inactivity it tends to follow socioeconomic trends, patterns of deprivation, that sort of thing. The reason this project was was really important, we kind of get this data twice a year from what's called the active live survey, but it's pretty subjective. Um, people are, are asked how active they are, and there's this general school of thought that people overestimate their activity levels. What this study would allow us to do is pull together more of an objective evidence base. Um, comes at a really important time as well, because the, the health and wellbeing board in, in Wolverhampton have recently made Decision to prioritise this issue uh, and focus their kind of collective attention on on inactivity in the city. So, yeah, kind of developing that evidence base was was really important at this time.
0: And just just for the listener, really just to confirm their Mike, So, the Active live survey is that the one that Sport England produce.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So it comes out twice a year. Um, but very much the best indicator that we have um, to show us di- direction of travel. But it doesn't tell us that the whole picture. As with any survey, it doesn't tell us the whole picture. Sample size is around about 500 for every local authority area, which is fine, but it means you get odd data patterns every so often. Um, and it, it's just always important that we kind of find wider evidence sources as well to just kind of add to that, add to that knowledge base.
0: Okay, so obviously as we know, physical activity big issue nationally big issues we come out of the pandemic but an even bigger issue locally to Wolverhampton from what the stats are saying here so how did you start to go about understanding what was the barrier to the behaviour you want to see so what was sort of stopping people being more physically active?
2: I think over the years a lot of work has been undertaken to, to understand barriers to to activity it's not like we're starting from scratch i think on on this project a lot of research um, has been carried out at national level um, by sport england and, and and sector partners and we were able to draw on some of the some of the learnings from the local past work as well as, as well so the city council have been involved in a program called beat the street um and they've also got some really good insight from a local initiative called fit for a fiver on, on on our side we we were already conducting a funded intervention in wolverhampton um it's called get out get active and that's a program that that we deliver that's managed by activity alliance and it's it's exploring the potential of faith centers and faith leaders to reach inactive people and to influence it inactive people um we, we also just prior to this piece of work, we did a fairly sizable survey just as the country was coming out of the first national lockdown. I think around about 700 responses and, and what we found was that physical activity levels had, had dropped during COVID as, as we might expect, but the one group who'd actually increased their levels uh with with those who had the lowest baseline previously so people who were inactive prior to lockdown had actually used that one hour a day that we were allowed to go outside to to be more active and increase our activity levels and and when we explored the general feedback behind that the information that we got was that they felt less self-conscious you know less people on the streets not as many eyes on them made people feel a little bit less self-conscious and more confident to, to run walk or or cycle so we we knew that there was some latent demand for an intervention that allowed people to be active in a way whereby they had complete control of 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 what they wanted to do and that kind of built into the thinking behind behind this piece of work
0: so Shira, with this actual project yeah. tell me more about sort of how it came about how you started working with the active partnership and and how it got started really
1: so we we actually came across the um lga behavioral insights um kind of promotion and application and and we thought this would be a really good opportunity to work with Mike especially at the start of the pandemic Work with his organisation hand in hand because we didn't have capacity on our own just to do this piece of work Um, and we really well thrived actually on the relationship that we have with Mike and his organisation it's an ongoing piece of work and with physical activity we thought it's probably the best time you know this we started the piece of work towards the end of the first first year of the pandemic. Um, so so that's kind of where it came about. And then in terms of where the actual what we were going to do, the actual development of it, um, you know, we had conversations internally with a couple of other colleagues across the department and understanding the need. And where is that need? Because as you can appreciate, you know, physical activity can be quite broad and we obviously to narrow it down. So what we did was um, the the aim really of the intervention was to increase physical activity levels across the city through through a behaviour change um, intervention to at least 30 minutes a week. But we targeted individuals from low socioeconomic areas. And people who literally did no physical activity, or or said they didn't do any physical activity at all, um, and then that's when Mike and I started working together and trying to put specification together, and then going out to tender um, in order to um, award a supplier.
0: So it's very much you're looking to focus this intervention in the community, not in a gym or a leisure centre, no. or or you know the assets already there. Actually focusing in the community something people can do you've talked about latent demand people starting to do a bit more um and you but you're really looking to target this intervention among those lowest socioeconomic groups in the city which obviously it's a big big city isn't it so you're really looking to target here um so how did you start to understand in your target group what the barriers were to physical activity and therefore you know using that insight to influence what your Behaviour Insights trial would look like?
1: Definitely. So we did a bit of a scoping kind of phase with local stakeholders to actually understand the barriers. And we had ongoing pieces of work with our community champions and various other faith leaders. So we relied on on kind of targeting them to understand what exactly is the barrier, especially during the pandemic. Um, So we worked with a range of teams, range of organisations. So corporately you know adult carers team carers outreach team our wider public health colleagues we had um, the children's and families involvement as well and then as I said the community groups and this is where um, we had most of the kind of effect really in terms of target population because we worked with a range of stakeholders that we we work every day with them but this was more from a physical activity perspective and and really listen to them you know why are people not uh, physically active or what's stopping them and then as well as that we also worked with our local leisure centre and um, so wb active which are council owned leisure centres just to understand you know how do people get through their doors as well so we've got both sides um of the argument as well and i know i'll let mike come in now but i know mike's worked um done some fabulous piece of work in the community with faith leaders as well across the city i don't know mike if you want to touch up that
2: yeah, we, so, so the project that I was referencing before, it's called Get Out, Get Active. Um, and I, that's, as I say, it, it's kind of exploring the potential of faith leaders in terms of activating people, activating people in their community. And and when we started the project, um, it, it, it looks very different now as to how it did when, when it started. And that's because of the pandemic and we had to change our entire delivery model, but what, it made for a better project, essentially. Um, whereas previously we were looking to um, do some kind of community outreach and, and find out what People in certain parts of Wolverhampton wanted to do then use the faith center facilities themselves to, to host the activity and then recruit people um from from the local area because we couldn't do that we couldn't do group activities we couldn't kind of bring people under one roof we instead engaged with the faith leaders themselves invested in their time and their and their capacity and put them through a, a training program so they almost became social prescribers as, as such um and, and they started to give advice um and, and and signposting advice to to the local community about being active about places they could be active about the benefits of physical activity um and it was essentially increasing capacity in the community for for, for physical activity by by working through faith leaders and it's been a really kind of good good model to use you know that a lot gets talked about social prescribing um as if it's something new it's not new the capacity is new in, to, in terms of in, in in the system but the concept is is as old as day matching community opportunity with community need and we took all of this thinking I suppose in 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 to this programme. We were kind of delivering it again, kind of with with the threat of regular lockdowns around us, and and we needed something that would be um, resilient to to any of that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, really important point, wasn't it, at that time when we were working together on this project? Um, So so you've done a lot of that insight gathering, work with local stakeholders, really building up a picture of what the barriers are, and what did you find?
1: So we found that um, a lot of the barriers were around not having access or not knowing what to do as well. And um, I'm sure we'll touch up on this, but it was the digital side of things as well, especially due to the pandemic. You know, people weren't able to go to, you know, if they were attending a gym or leisure centre, or they weren't able to meet their friends to go for a walk. So they were very restricted. Um, So what we had to do was kind of think think back what would work for a resident who has done no physical activity in a a new world really Um, you know they can't just go out and go and you know go for a run around the block it's not as simple as that Um, it was very much kind of looking at what we have here and now Um, and Covid and the restrictions definitely um, had a big play in this and this is why we actually um, will go through the thorough I'm sure of the intervention itself but we went for a digital intervention and app based. Um, I think if COVID has kind of taught us anything, is that more and more people now have started to use some form of digital, um, you know, so whether it's a phone or a laptop or something. So more and more of our residents now are becoming digitally included. Whereas pre-COVID, I'm sure that was not the case. Um, So it was just relying on the the resources that we have now on what residents, what, you know, the stakeholders are telling us in terms of what will actually work and and this was very much a pilot um you know very much a pilot we've never done anything like this before um so this was a and especially at a time when you know we needed to link this in with covid recovery and response we needed to get people to look after themselves go for a walk um so it couldn't have come at a better time if i'm honest with you um but i don't know mike if there's anything else that you want to add as well I think the,
2: the only other thing, I'd, I'd add, and I agree with all that, I think the only other thing I'd, I'd add to that is, and it backed up the original research that I mentioned before, We I think we found that people were ready for something kind of low intensity, like mm-hmm. you, you're talking about people who are currently doing nothing, and to get people from doing nothing to something, you can't go too far, you, you know, and that, that's kind of why we settled on the the intervention that we did, you know, if we're expecting people to start running 10k in a few weeks, that, that, that's not going to happen, you know, you, you, you've you got to kind of take people along with you in, 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 in small steps all along the way um and that was kind of what we were what we're hearing as well there there was kind of interest out there for something that was um as i say a little bit low-key low intensity um not too scary if that's the right way of putting it um so so that they kind of come along on the journey with us
0: really important i think that's sort of evolution not revolution not to scare people build it into your everyday activity you know what are the smaller steps you can take so there was clear there's clear sort of barriers coming up there in terms of you know maybe not knowing what's available um and then there's there was clearly something there around actually digital would be a good thing for us it will actually work in our lives more it'd be more easy for us to access actually so so I guess that feels like a bit of a a newer piece of learning that you got through this this project and then maybe pre-covid so so with all of that in mind and all of that insight that that you've gained and what you've learned there and, and now you know who where you want to target the intervention um yeah what was the intervention tell us more about that
1: So the intervention itself was a six-week intervention based on um, increasing physical activity underpinned by behavioural science principles. And it was a digital intervention where individuals had to download an app. And in terms of the app, it was already available on the market. So the app that we used was called Movespring. And um, we, we did some kind of looking around, having a bit of an investigation really at some existing apps. Uh, we definitely didn't have time to create a new app, or even have the resources—not um, only time to create a new app. So we used MoveSpring. We thought that was the best one because it enabled us to edit it and make it localized. So we were able to add our logos on links to, you know, Wolverhampton um, cycle trails, for example. It's very much residents can look at the app and think, right, this is from the city, this is from Wolverhampton, you know, this is linked to me. And if you link it to behavioral science, you know, we're giving the individuals the resources and exactly what you just mentioned earlier is it's a very low intensity. This was this was a walking app. It was a walking intervention, getting people to increase their step count and um, individuals who had a fitness tracker were able to sync their device to the app. So, you know, for example, if you had an Apple Watch or Fitbit or whatever, you were able to link it to the app and then it automatically um, accumulated your step count for the day. There was challenges as well. Um, there had daily challenges, weekly challenges, depending on what your own goal was. And this was based on goal setting for um, behaviour change and then individuals who didn't have a fitness tracker they were still able to partake as well so they were able to manually upload their step count um you know so it we kind of overcame that barrier that they didn't need a fitness tracker they just needed access to a phone um and then we were able to support them in terms of any technical issues and the app very much very much sorry works like a standard app nudges through push notifications Reminding participants to be active, you know, go for a walk or it was very much that low key, which Mike touched upon earlier. It's, you know, reminding people that gardening is a form of physical activity, you know, housework and it's that low intensity. Um, so the intervention as I said was six weeks, and um, the outcomes that we measured were step count and then well-being as well. So we use Wemweb, so the Warwick Edinburgh uh, Mental Well-being Scale, to measure people's well-being as well, because as you can appreciate, well-being and physical activity go hand in hand. Um, so, so yeah, I mean that was the intervention. I don't know, Mike, if I missed uh, anything as well, but
2: no I don't I don't think you know I, th- I think kind of we didn't we didn't pick one single model of behavioral science I think it's important to say um the, the consultants that we work with they, they recommended that the project be underpinned by by learnings from a number of models and I think kind of the, the one that we lent on the most was the idea that kind of behavior change requires motivation ability and a prompt um and so the motivation to improve your health that the physical ability to do a task um i.e to walk, um, and and a prompt and, and and that prompt was was a really important element in in the design. Um, so the kind of the the command or the reminder to to be active can can come in lots of different forms. And and one of those we decided could be a push notification through through a smartphone. Um, so we we put together the, the intervention the six week intervention had two entry points um that would be delivered by by the smartphone and, and the reason we liked move spring was it allowed us to send those those push notifications um and i think and remind me if i got this wrong Chanel, but one of the kind of principles that we thought would work well was this notion of of stick to it where, where kind of people are people are motivated through the prompts to, to stick to something. Lots of kind of mobile-based games use streaks to keep you engaged and things like that. You can see how many days in a row that you've been playing. So I, I do a languages app and you can see you've done it for so many days and it, it encourages you to kind of keep on going. Um, so the, the app also collected the step count data um through through the built-in pedometer that, that as Shannara said could, was kind of synced via via people's people's phones um and I think the step count data was really important because it goes back to what I was saying before about having something that's objective um you know we we know people estimate their activity levels in surveys and some might overestimate some might underestimate um but either way it's, it's not objective it's hugely subjective um you know you, you're asking how active someone is and you're essentially believing their answer whereas step count data takes that subjectivity out of the equation and and I guess the idea was that over the six weeks we'd we'd use the app and the messages to motivate people increase their step count over time and the the other important element of the app was it had a community element where participants could could motivate each other form little groups um encourage each other see little leaderboards see how, how how well people were doing um and yeah kind of motivate each other to be active in that way
0: so I guess key learning there for other councils listening in is is actually you know decision to use an app but not to actually spend time resource building your own council app actually there's stuff already out there what can we use that's already out there that already does this for us um so that was a key decision you've gone to use MoveSpring. um were there any any issues any learning for using MoveSpring?
1: Uh, there was one of them was um it wasn't um applicable with um some types of phones or if you had a Huawei phone um, you weren't able to download MoveSpring so individuals had to download another like a Google app or another app in order to use MoveSpring so that was a huge barrier um, as well but but that's a learning curve for us you know we will be able to we, you know if other councils are able to use MoveSpring again or even if we are at least we know for next time um, that that was a, was a barrier that definitely came up
0: obviously other apps are available yes. uh you know gotta gotta say that we're not yeah. we're not saying Moospring is the only one endorsed by the LGA but yeah the other, <laughs> other you know it's I think that's the point isn't it rather than thinking we need a council one or yeah. an active partnership one and all that money in development we, you've actually looked to the market and there's something already there that will do it for a trial this is the first yeah. time you've done this so so how did you go about recruiting people to the trial because that's always a big challenge isn't it how do we get people we've set up an intervention how do we recruit people to the trial can you tell me more about that please
1: yeah of course so we um did the kind of typical communications route so press releases and um you know uh, Mike kindly did a radio as well so attending radio stations I mean
0: we need to hear all about Mike (laughs) as a radio personality definitely dulcet tones
1: that's it, but um, but what what was the key actually was social media. So um, we used Twitter, Instagram, but Facebook just worked wonders for us. Um, so for both cohorts, so cohort one in June and then cohort um two in August, we boosted our posts. So what that means is we actually targeted our post within Facebook across all our postcodes based in deprived areas across the city. And um, the reach was absolutely incredible. The amount of people who, you know, I think we boosted it for about a week and the amount of people who actually signed up from those areas or the reach that the post had was just honestly, it was just mind blowing. It was something that's quite simple to do, but really effective um, as well. And, you know, you, you wouldn't think things like this. You wouldn't think how effective boosting a post would be in Facebook or but it it worked wonders, and I know um, you know through Mike's organisation as well. They did um, some targeted posts as well, from my understanding, Mike um, through press releases, and and I think that's what helped really because we've got our kind of you know residents on our social media or um, contact list, but then Mike's organisation has a wider you know maybe some individuals who aren't signed up to the council um, mailing list, and that hand in hand worked really well as well, like a double whammy really. But um, yeah, I don't know, Mike, if you want to come in and add anything from your end
2: as well. Yeah, I, I thought the recruitment element was the big success of the program, to be honest, and it really showed, demonstrated the, the reach of the partnership between between ourselves and the, the strength, certainly of, of the reach of of, of the City Council's um, kind of kind of marketing. Um, so we have to go out and get people to sign up essentially and to make to make it statistically sound. We needed a bare minimum of 200 people to sign up, as we were told by by the consultants to, to kind of go through the program. We, we knew there'd be a dropout. So we set our sites a fair bit higher than that. We we had budget for three hundred licenses from from MoveSpring, but that meant six hundred participants because there were two entry points. So those three hundred were the first round. Then we could start again with three hundred new people, essentially. Um. So so we used the learnings from from everything that we'd done recently and all that of the city council. And as as, as Shannara said, we, we we kind of purchased some some targeted social media adverts, targeted geographically because obviously we were focusing on those deprived areas. Um. Uh, that, that, that we went through before. Um, so as, as shanara said, went on radio to plug it. We got social care newsletters, um, some some content in there, and we just got really good take up there. I think 593 participants in total signed up oh. via via the website that are being set up. And then we, we had some filters in there as well, so we could make sure that the people taking part were the people we wanted to take part. Um, so they were asked the, the postcode to make sure they lived in the city uh, and allowed us to prioritize based on based on those geographies that we were focusing on. We also asked people how active they were. In a general week, with a view to prioritising people who who said they were active either zero days or or one days, and they also needed access to um, sorry access to to an electronic device, a a smartphone. But you could also do it with with a laptop. But it wasn't or a computer. But it wasn't that easy because then you'd have to put your own numbers in, and it's just another kind of barrier there. So we we split those almost 600 people into into two groups. Um, so the two entry points for, for the trial, and, and, we, and we just filtered to make sure that all the people that we that we wanted to um, were were taking part. And what that meant was group one had two hundred um, and twenty two people, and group two had one hundred and ninety people. I think so. That was a good a good good kind of sample of people to to go from. We we knew that we were kind of making it in theory statistically okay if all those people got to the end of the process because it gave us over four hundred people in total.
0: So I guess for others listening in, tell me more about how that filtering process worked. Like, how did you resource that? Because obviously you've got loads more people coming in than you expected, which is great. Um, The marketing's worked. Obviously, you know, the targeted ads, social media ads have really worked. You've got all this influx of, of interest. How did you do that filtering bit? Can you tell me more about how you resource that, please?
1: yeah so the resource kind of came from um for me really um, within um within the project team only because we couldn't share we set up a um a specific email address for people to sign up and uh, complete the form that form was then sent to a dedicated inbox and then it was a case of manually trawling through all these application forms if you want to call it that um and you know making sure that they are wolfhampton residents so they pay because um, what can happen is sometimes a postcode can look Wolverhampton, but they're not actually our resident. So we, some of them we actually had to manually trawl through um, and, and see if they were our resident or not. And then, as Mike has said, you know, check their physical activity levels and if it's one or less than one, they were um, eligible as well. And there was a lot of man hours um, you know, trawling through. And as you rightly put, we weren't expecting um, to get that mm. many. Um, So the first cohort, especially because it was during the kind of height of the pandemic and we're still working um, with COVID, COVID recovery and response. And because I couldn't get mic access due to IT issues, I couldn't get the consultants to have access to our inbox. It very much led on me going through all of the applications um, and the forms. The cohort two was um, a little bit easier, actually, because um, I managed to get capacity to support me in-house. So myself and a colleague were able to look at applications um, as and when they came in, whereas the first cohort, I literally had to wait until like the sign-ups ended. Um, only because I just could not, just how quickly they were coming through the inbox. I mean, it's incredible. Um, you know, it's, it was really, really great to see so many people interested, but we just didn't have that capacity to immediately um, respond back. And sometimes it would take, you know, if if Joe Bloggs emailed one day, it'd probably take a week, maybe over a week for me to actually email back and say, you know, we, we confirm, um, you know, we've received your application. And from a behaviour change angle, that was really important, actually, because it's that intention gap, you know, individuals signed up. So they had that intention to change the behaviour, especially cohort one. They had that delay from us or from me in terms of responding back. Um, Whereas we took that learning, as I said, for cohort two, and it was a lot more kind of smooth sailing, um, you know, in terms of getting the emails come through and responding. I would say literally within the hour or as soon as um, the next couple of hours. And, and it, it helped with that intention um, gap as well. So, so, yeah, I think the resource definitely. And because we weren't able to for permissions and, and all sorts, we weren't able to you know, get um, the consultants or Mike or his team permission to access our inbox. That was something um, that we probably didn't take on board actually at the start. Um, so that was a definitely um, a good learning curve for us, and as I said, we we changed it for cohort two, which made it a lot easier. But yeah.
0: So so definitely an intervention at the right time for people. There was demand for it. People were looking for this. The way you've marketed it in a is a, has made it really visible to the people who want wanted to do this. So the timing yeah. was right. The motivation was there, and they've seen it and signed up to it. Bit of learning there around resourcing. Because you are looking to filter, rather than mm. you know you're very targeted, weren't you? In, in whose behaviour you wanted to change, um, and then you've run the intervention twice, each for six weeks, so two different groups. So you've you've got to to learn a lot there. So so what were the results? What were the findings?
1: So um, we increased um, average step count from five thousand before the program to 7,000 at the end of the six week and that's an average um, of both cohorts and then in terms of behaviour change what we actually found was that it was sustained from a very small minority of residents but those residents actually reached their daily step target across the six weeks and post intervention so after the six weeks they actually sustained their behaviour and that was really key for us because What we also found was that the programme was supportive for individuals who were quite self-disciplined. So they thrived on that daily step count feedback, they thrived on the rewards, the push notifications, and they actually needed that um, to carry on, to carry on with the the challenge. Um, We also did find that individuals did underestimate their physical activity level. So what we mean by that is if they had a fitness tracker, when they signed up to the programme, they said they weren't doing any days or any minutes of physical activity at all. But then we synced their fitness tracker and it actually demonstrated that they were already doing at least say 5,000 steps a day or 6,000 steps, but the individual just wasn't aware that they were active already. And I think that's a real key learning um, to take because you would assume, and a lot of evidence shows that people actually overestimate rather than underestimate. Um, so that's something that we will be able to take forward and um, it's for me, it was just a kind of a key learning that you you don't think about it unless, you know, when you d- dig in a bit deeper, really. And then from a well-being perspective, participants reported that they felt more positive as the programme um, progressed. So across six weeks, they felt ha- they felt they had more positive feelings. Um, And then um, we also found that individuals who lived in the deprived wards had comparable engagement levels to those who didn't. Um, And that was really key, actually, because especially as we targeted deprived wards, so it was really interesting actually to see that finding. And then in terms of the, the findings, totally, we did have a large number of people who dropped out. And I think that's a real key learning for us um, for various reasons. And um, you know, I'll, I'll let Mike touch upon about the focus groups that we did with those individuals who disengage. Um, but it's really key to, to realise that people do drop out for whatever reason. You know, if I use um the second cohort is during summer holidays, so some individuals may have dropped out um, for family commitments, etc. But having said that, the findings are really important as well. Um, so I don't know, Mike, if you want to come in in terms of the the dropout.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd also just kind of back up what you, what you first said as well. I think it's a really important point about people's step count. So the Movespring app allowed us to access, with with the user's permission, allowed us to access their historic step count from 30 days prior to, to downloading the app. Um, and that gave us an idea of what, what they were doing beforehand, before the programme started, before it was even in their mind, I suppose, essentially, because, um, you know, we, we do have this assumption a lot of the time that people overestimate their their levels of physical activity. But, the, you know, this app told us that people who had literally filled out a form on the website said they do less than one day of physical activity a week. Um, we're actually doing around about 5000 steps a day. So it does really demonstrate the importance of getting some objective data to um, to kind of complement the the surveys and, and all that sort of stuff that we do. Um, to, to pick up on, on the kind of latter point that Shannara has made, it, it's really important to draw a distinction, I think, between those who finished the programme and those that didn't. Um, because I think kind of for, from my point of view, um, I, I think like the the learning around drop off was was possibly the, the one that we'll will use the most moving forward in terms of informing future work, uh, because um, if I kind of give you a flavour of what it looked like, the, the vast majority, I think the vast majority of participants dropped out at some point, um, apart from the ones that kind of Shanara mentioned that, that got to the end and actually did increase their step count, which was great. Um, for cohort one, I think we we originally had 222 people who were sent the link to the app, just 116 actually downloaded the app. And I think that's really Im- Im- important to point out. So we've pretty much cut our registrations in half be- before we've started. Then, then one week later, when the project started, a further 28 disengaged. So then we were left with 88 people responding to the push notification. And every week that went down and down a little bit and, 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 and until the end. Um, so we quickly decided as a reference, we quickly decided we needed to know why. And so we reached out to some of those people who, who disengaged before week one. And we well, essentially we incentivized them to be part of a, a focus group and the clear feedback that we That we got back was that there was significantly more technical support needed um, if we're going to use an app to deliver a physical activity intervention so people might have smartphones but the literal process of downloading an app is something that a lot of people actually find quite difficult then you've got to create a login on the system then you've got to sync your phone The pedometer on your phone to the app, which was a real pinch point, probably the the, the most significant pinch point, Uh, and we I think we just fast realized that there were just too many points where people had the opportunity to say forget this, (laughs) you know, and and, and like people gave themselves a reason to stop. Essentially, Uh, so cohort two was slightly better Um, in some ways, you know, we put some specific capacity in place to help people with the download issues, Uh, but, you know, we still saw that. Kind of quite clear drop off week week by week. And I think what it, what it was, um, we, we we probably left it too long between downloading the app and starting the project. I think you've got to keep people engaged or or you'll lose people. So recruitment was absolutely fantastic, and that's a real kind of plus point to get from this. But um, in in terms of kind of what we did there, keeping hold of people just proved really difficult and it's such a really important learning because it shows that there's a demand, but there's an intention gap, as, as, as Shannara referenced, it, as an intention gap that needs to be bridged. Um, you know, we had more than 500 people sign up initially, almost 600 people sign up, but the, the vast majority dropped out before the programme, before the programme started. Um, so there was just long too many reasons to give that that we get people to drop out part of that was just because of the capacity we had you know we're trying to do working with public health during a during a pandemic and so capacity is going to be a a, a real problem and and, and Shinar was absolutely flat out on on all of this in terms of kind of responding to the emails but it, it was just one of those things that I think we realised after, after the first cohort that um, if we're going to do a programme like this, that there just needs to be more a little bit more holding, some more personalised feedback, maybe to kind of encourage engagement, encourage motivation, possibly use of incentives that sign up should be in, like explored to, to help people kind of just, just pull them through the programme. Uh, lots of things that came out, lots of really fantastic learnings, actually, that will really kind of help us as we as we move on.
0: That interesting point about, you know, it's what we call friction, isn't it? in in behavior change so you know if we build those if those barriers are in front of the behavior that we want to encourage it's just that bit of friction every time isn't it and it like you say it gives people an, an excuse to say, Oh, that's a bit too hard so i guess that's key learning is it? how can we make this behavior as easy as possible there is that intention people do want to do something in this space you've you know you've put it in front of them visually with great marketing campaign as it 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 works as a as a solution there was just those those friction bits in front of it wasn't there so so lots to learn there lots to take forward did you get any sort of qualitative feedback as well as the the numbers did you get qualitative feedback from what people were telling you
1: yeah we had some really good feedback actually um for also from individuals who actually completed um the entire program um you know if i just give you a flavor of some of the feedback that we've got um so the challenge helped me helped an individual create um, a walking habit, and they felt they had they had more energy, felt better, and will try new things. And um, similarly, there was individuals who said that they didn't, ta- didn't hit the target every day, but they still managed to get and go out and do some form of step count um, most days. And given that they were near or nothing at the start, this was a huge change for them. And I think it's really important especially on the feedback to mention the quick wins that we can get you know as mike said at start we're not you know we're not wanting anyone to run a marathon it's very much for individuals to realize that you know what physical activity can be easy um you know it can just be going for a walk or going up and down the stairs you know even vacuuming it's that very much telling individuals that everything we do we do some form of physical activity a day we just don't realize it um, so I think that was a key, and I think the feedback helped, especially with individuals who dropped out as well, um, you know, and Mike said that we had that kind of qualitative feedback from them in terms of barriers, and and that's really good learning for us to to take it forward, whether it's us, but also other councils as well, to learn from the way we've done things, um, you know, and, and the caveat is it was during a pandemic, but it was in in some ways actually worked quite well, um, you know. Yes, it was during a pandemic, but I think we were, we were able to use like the relationships that we had with community groups, with so the vaccine work that we did. You know, we had the faith leaders, so we were, we were able to rely on the relationships as a result of promoting the you know promoting the program or working with them and stuff. So I think it was really you know it's really important feedback um, that we can take forward. And then I don't know, Mike's in for
2: now. That you want to add, but no, I, I I'd agree with that completely. And whilst I've I've kind of just spoken a little bit about what what maybe didn't go right in, in terms of people dropping off, lots and lots did go right, and it was a really important project for us and one that I I would see as a success in lots of ways. Partly because of the the, the kind of success of the partnership, which was established beforehand, but it it you know we worked really well together um, in in terms of kind of complementing our learnings from from previous programs and putting it all together to come up with a project that that worked really well in 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 terms of recruitment um and and kind of develop learnings for 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 the next iteration whatever that whatever that might look like and kind of what comes next so you know really really positive one from 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 our side of things as well
0: i I want to go back to that point around digital engagement you mentioned Mm -hmm. that there wasn't a difference between the different socioeconomic groups in terms of people actually taking up a digital intervention I think that's a really important point for digital exclusion, isn't it? Digital inclusion. And has that sort of, has that changed maybe some of the council's approaches around digital interventions? Is there rich learning there?
1: Uh, There is definitely. And I know um, wider with our kind of corporate team, they are looking on, um, you know, we've got a specific digital strategy now and it's all that infrastructure. and And I think COVID's actually been a massive help in that in all of us realizing that more and more people are now digitally included. You know, pre-COVID there may not have been, but at least we realise now that they are and we can kind of jump on that. We can utilize that um you know as, as whether it's as an intervention or just generally getting the communication out to individuals. Um, you know, and, and I think that's that's a key thing because pre-COVID we had that digital exclusion. We a lot of us just assumed that individuals weren't especially from a deprived ward didn't have the resources or the capability to you know um use some form of digital um kind of aspect really but then COVID, we've offered training we've offered you know free technology all sorts um and i think that's helped and we were able to kind of flourish using that i mean this intervention only worked because it was digital if it wasn't digital i don't i don't know how we would have done it because especially when we kicked off, we couldn't do face-to-face interventions anyway. Um and the good thing about the, this digital side of things was that people were able to do it on their own accord. Um so they didn't have like specific sessions that they had to, you know, zoom into or or join into. It was very much individuals can do it in their own time, can do it with their friends, or if they want to do it on their own. You know, they we offered that through the Move Spring app. And I think that's really key. Um, and it was learning for us I mean this is the first time we have ever done a first digital behavior change intervention so I think it's definitely innovative um and and that I think that's the impact really from this that it was a first time pilot and we've learned a lot and there's a lot that we can take from all this into different aspects of the of the work that we are all involved in so I guess that's my next question you've led me beautifully <laughs> onto Shinar. so
0: what are the next steps for the council, for your partnership with the active partnership, uh, from what you've learned through this project.
1: Yeah, sure. If I if I start off about um, what next steps are for the council, and then Mike can come in. So, for us, from a council perspective, it's very much further work on around the intention gap that we discussed earlier. So, for residents who want to increase their physical activity it's demonstrating just how quick it really is that you can be physically active as I said gardening and vacuuming um you know we're doing some work around um, you know active retirement internally so it's just reminding people that you know you don't need like a full gear to go for a walk or you know to, to be physically active. Um, and then the major piece of work that we are involved in is um, so Wolverhampton is part of the government's health incentives pilot study so that's from the office of health improvement and disparities and that actually consists of an app um, which consists of residents increasing their physical activity levels but this focuses on healthy eating as well and it's based on incentives using an app and at the moment we're in the early stages so um, you know we're asking residents to sign up but we are able to take learning from our wv gets active piece of work and i do appreciate sample size for our piece of work is a lot smaller than this health incentives pilot, but but nonetheless, we are still able to thrive on those, you know, learning. So target the community groups, food banks, various um, kind of stakeholders, really, to increase uptake for the health incentives pilot as well. Um, so that's where the, that's where we're kind of leading for the next steps. And um, I'll hand you over to Mike now, who will talk about I, all the yeah it's just
0: it's that key point isn't it like you're saying around the motivation the access yeah you know those key behavioral in you know sort of skills really aren't they you need that motivation you need to know it's there yeah and and it needs to be easy for you to you know build into your life I think that's they're the key things you've learned from this project that could go into that wider health incentives program aren't they
1: Yes, totally. It's giving individuals the, you know, the knowledge and the capability that, you know, there is this program or there is this app. And if individuals want to go ahead with it, they've got that intention that will link in with their motivation to carry on and then opportunity. So it could be individuals, you know, maybe they for language barriers, they just aren't aware of how to access the app. So it's where training comes in. It comes with working with our community groups to translate information in different languages because you know if anyone can do physical activity in terms of you know um, going out for a walk. Um it's it's all very much kind of linking in with um health inequalities as well. So you've got individuals who, for example, are disabled and how do we work with them to get them on board on a program like this. Um so yes, definitely it's all around the capability of individuals and giving them the motivation and the skills um to actually go off and, and do it. So that's the whole point really of of the intervention, these six week interventions that we do, it's, you know, we give them the skills and then the the ideal is individuals carry on that behaviour post six weeks after we've left them, you know, they've maintained that behaviour and and it is difficult. It's not easy to change people's behaviour, you know, and you can have individuals relapse in the sense that, you know, for six weeks, yeah, totally on it, going for a walk. And then for something, for some reason, something happens, they stop going for their daily walk, and then they're back um, in terms of not doing physical activity. So, so yeah, totally. Um, And and that's what we're taking forward in all the piece of work that we're doing. Sorry, Mike, I interrupted.
2: No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge year for for, for the partnership. Um, So we've got the Commonwealth Games in the West Midlands this year, now the bulk of that's in, in Birmingham, but but there's plenty going on across the wider um, West Midlands Met area. So we've got the Aquatic Centre in Salmar, the Cycling Time Trial starts and finishes in, in West Park in Wolverhampton, um, and, and we're working in the Black Country to, to enable a legacy of physical activity from, from those games. So there's going to be delivery taking place in, in all of our local authority areas and the principles of behaviour change are playing a massive part in all of that. We've developed a behavior change framework that will essentially underpin our approach to to engagement and wv gets active has hugely kind of supported the thinking behind part of the the development of that framework and and the learnings that have come out of this program are kind of around ensuring there's a personal touch and that that people are supported at every step Mm -hmm. of the way you know it's really prevalent in that framework there's no there's no one size fits all um and and we've got capacity in place that can kind of almost act as a triage and service so that so that kind of people are signposted to the offer that's that's most suitable for them so it's going to be really exciting year um and, and working on on this program with, with, with Shannara has as, as really kind of taken our thinking to, to a new level on this
0: yeah I think I think the strength of your partnership really has been a huge factor in the success of this project so so yeah I think just a really good template for how other councils and active partnerships across the country can can work together on behavior change um you know it, it's been a great project so my final question is if I'm a council listening to this if I'm a busy councillor or council officer thinking, yeah, this is something we need to do. How do I get this project uh, into place in my own authority? So what would be your top three tips for somebody at another council looking to implement a similar project to WV gets acting?
1: Okay, so my first tip would be don't reinvent the wheel. So if there's a programme, if there's an app that's already on the market, I mean, it doesn't have to be Movespring, um, you know, any other app, look into it. Um, you know, it'd be great if all of councils can get a dedicated app localised, but let's be realistic, there's a lot of work and time that goes into that. So utilise an app that's already out there and even better if you can localise it. So with Movespring, we were able to localise it to make our residents aware that, you know what, this is Wolverhampton base. It's it's you know made for, created for our residents. Um so that will be my top key kind of tip. Um don't reinvent the wheel, go with what's out there, um, you know, and 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 try it, trial it out. You know, it could be that you do a pilot with a smaller cohort, smaller residents, and then kind of cascade it out to everyone. Um and that's where our scoping phase came into play, really. You know, we will be we were able to trial the app. Um I know Mike and I had a play, and it was it was a new thing for all of us. Not many of us are used to an app, um, but yeah, that would be my suggestion. Don't reinvent the wheel. Um, use something out there. Um, I think. Don't know, Mike, if you want to come in I, and yeah, what?
2: I think I think I've only got one really, which doesn't add to three. So sorry, but I, I think kind of be. <laughs> Be, be bold and be prepared to fail, yeah. I think, because kind of the, the, the things you learn on the way will still advance your thinking. And if you see everything as kind of an iterative process over time, um, it, you know, you don't have to get it absolutely spot on But the things that you do get right. Like, and there's so many things out of this program that we're taking on that we know we got right that can support us in other things. Uh, and just because all 500 people who registered didn't increase that, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter as much as what we got right and what we can take on to the next thing, because there will be a next thing. Um, So yeah, be bold and be prepared to fail. That would be. That
1: would be my tip. Yeah, I think I can actually make it to three tips now, thinking out loud. Um, just utilise your existing partnerships. So honestly, we could not have done this programme without Mike and his team. Um, you know, so utilise those relationships that you already have, the partnerships that you already hold. And it just makes it a lot easier to do a piece of work. Um, and all of this was remotely. You know, we haven't met our consultant, um, you know, based in london all of this completely remotely and i think that's something that we have to take away is that we can deliver interventions remotely and it is possible but we do need that partnership um in order to make it work so yeah i could
2: echo that completely good job
1: Guys, thank
0: you so much for your time, Shanara and Mike. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on and share your learning about the WV Active project and wish you well in the future with your behavioural change and behavioural insights endeavours. Thanks again, guys.
1: Thank you. thank
0: you. Okay, so if you'd like to learn more about the behavioural insights projects then you, that you can try out in your council, please do visit our website at www.local.gov.uk and search for behavioural insights. We'll have the report from um, the project that Shannara and Mike were talking about, Wolverhampton, on our website, so you can have a look at that. And um, we also have a host of other nudges for social good that you can learn from and use. Uh, please do share this podcast with your colleagues and your friends as well. And many thanks for listening.